Hi everyone and welcome to Dwell, our new online 30 minute service, drawing near to God right where we are, worshipping him as he is, telling stories of encounters with him and then listening deeply to his voice in his word uh, and asking the questions of how we can live the way of the kingdom. Uh, we're journeying through the book of Haggai, so we're going to come on to the, the final bit of chapter one uh, in just a moment. But we're going to begin by drawing near to God. Uh, so whatever you're doing, perhaps you'd just like to still yourself, still your body, in order that you might still your mind, in order that you might still your spirit and your soul, just to hear this, the, the invitation of God uh, to recognise him afresh as we still ourselves uh, and listen deeply to him. Uh, so let's draw near and allow these words from Psalm 46 to draw our attention to God. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress.
Lord, we thank you that you are our rock, our fortress. Thank you that you hold everything in your hands. Thank you that you are Lord of our lives. Thank you that you provide for all of our needs. Lord, hear us, we pray, as we confess our need and our desire for you. My favourite scripture is Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. And sometimes this is misconstrued as, well, I can sit back and do nothing. God's in control. But for me, this is a reminder that running myself ragged, relying on my own strength, is not what God wants at all. I need to work, yeah, but I need to pray and ask for guidance and help from him. I have a tendency to be very independent and self-sufficient. Even as I started writing this, I remembered that I needed to stop and pray for help from God to find the right words. Fortunately, lockdown 
for us as a family was a needed opportunity to come together, for the most part happily. No rushing out to this and that event because nothing was going on. The kids studying at home. The phone was a godsend but I, because I would call my mum and my stepmom every day just to chat about how we were all doing and hopefully encourage them at a time when they were particularly isolated. And my mum at the age of 89 had a hip replacement in November 2019. Thankfully, my sister, who was a nurse, looked after her post-operatively and she made a great recovery. And my sister, my older sister, also took over after that. God helped her through a convalescence and she is now well, back to driving and asked the consultant when she may be able to go back to playing badminton again. Ha ha. She celebrated her 90th birthday this March with most of the family singing happy birthday on Zoom. My stepmom is very active and walks her dog twice a day, which she says helps keep her sane. My dad died in 2019, so lockdown was particularly hard and isolating for her. But when we were able to, we visited and had holidays with her in Cornwall. I have multiple sclerosis, which worsened quite significantly in December 2019, to the extent that I had to retire from my full-time job as a medical secretary working at Belindra Cancer Centre. No, I had not intended to retire at the age of 54. God had other plans. Luckily, I was home as Ethan, our son, was finishing school and preparing for university. We prayed for guidance because neither myself or Didier, my husband, had attended university. My sister, who has put all three of her children through uni, was a great source of advice. And I have another picture of um, my son, Ethan, and my daughter, Amelie. That's when we went to DBS University in Bristol, which is where Ethan is right now, studying. Luckily, I was home as Ethan, our son, was finishing school and preparing for university. We prayed for guidance uh, as we had not been to uni. God helped us to find a flat for Ethan in Bristol where he will attend the university in a city with three universities and DBS having no student halls. This was a huge blessing. Ethan celebrated his 18th birthday in February 2020. No big party, obviously, but an Indian takeaway and lots of cards, posts, presents and emails. And Ethan passed his grade eight drums uh, at the same time. Very weird. Everything filmed and recorded and sent off to the examining body for marking. Amelie did very well in her GCSEs, but didn't want to continue at Bishop of Landeff. But she wanted to go to St David's Catholic College instead. More prayer and guidance needed here. I felt God's guidance steering our little family through the unexpected challenges, stressful times awaiting exam outcomes and a future looking very different to our present one. To add to the challenges, the children and I contracted COVID in October 2020. Thank God for the COVID testing sites and the fact that we could just come home and isolate as we were not expected anywhere else. We were lucky to all have mild symptoms also. Didier was spared from catching COVID. We saw God in the incredible kindness of church members giving us money to help us as Didier is a driving instructor and could not work for months through lockdown. On one occasion, we opened our porch door to find a couple from church at the end of our path and they gave us an envelope full of money that we were so grateful for. Another church member also gave us an envelope full of money. We were so, so grateful for these unexpected kindnesses. Let me just show you a picture of my darling husband with his Mohican, because as he wasn't working, he wanted to do something a bit more <laughs> crazy with his hair. <laughs> 
We saw God uh, in the kindness of our neighbours, bringing food when we were isolating and could not go out. Clapping for the NHS was a privilege and I've only just taken down the array of rainbows from our lounge window. My favourite picture from the NHS is this one with the Superman logo, which I just think is completely apt for the amazing work they did. And um, we prayed to God constantly for the NHS workers' protection. My sister was a nurse working in COVID wards and in ICU at Heartlands Hospital in Birmingham. And she and her family were okay and did not get the virus, thank God. God protected Didier's dad, who is 95 and lives in a nursing home in, in Brittany. We are desperate to visit his family in France and hope to go early next year. We normally go to see them at least once a year. When I think of God's protection at this time, I think of the scripture in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. At a time of complete global confusion and fear, I was so grateful to know that I had a God who is always there, never changing and always guiding. It was hard to watch the news at a time to see times to see the number of sick and dying and also to see the conspiracy theorists who believe this to be a government conspiracy. On the one hand, it was very worrying to see the selfishness of people, but on the other hand, inspiring by the incredible, uh, to see the incredible feats and sacrifices that people were performing, bringing out the best and worst in all of us, I guess. We got to know our neighbours much more as a result of walking around the neighbourhood a lot more than we normally do, and that was really great. I really believe that God helped us as a family to come closer together and use this time to give more to each other and to others. When people say to me, how do you stay so positive when all this COVID situation is going on? I replied that I have a God who is with me and mine 24 seven. So I need to trust him and hopefully inspire faith in others. And that can only be a good thing. Sometimes God speaks in big, complicated, complex ways. Other times he speaks very directly, very simply to us. But however he speaks, the challenge for us is to listen. So I want to invite you to listen to God's word tonight. Uh, and again, we're diving right back into this amazing little book of Haggai, Rebuild a Prophet's Diary. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Have you ever known any grumpy Christians? I have. Uh, I've been around ministry, around church work, uh, long enough now to know people for whom uh, the work of the Lord is a joy and a blessing and an opportunity uh, and there's something that buzzes and brims about the excitement uh, of simply being about their father's business, doing the work of the kingdom. 
and I've also met people for whom the work is, is hard. There's a sense that they're begrudgingly serving, that it takes real effort to drag themselves to do this uh, again. You know, some people will, will sprint at something with enthusiasm and very, very quickly it, it becomes something that's a bit more jaded, a bit more difficult, and they become a bit more jaded and a bit more difficult. I recognise in myself that there are times when I'm seeking to serve the Lord. Ministry just feels easy, you know, you feel like this is what I was put on the planet to do. And there's other days it takes huge effort, takes huge strain uh, and would be more of a burden than a blessing. What, what makes the difference? What is it about those days? Uh, what is about those people? How, how can we be in that place uh, where the yoke is easy and the burden is light? I think part of the answer lies in these words that God is so determined as they start building uh, the temple together before the walls are up, before the doors are in, before they've had a single service in this temple, God sends a message uh, through Haggai to the people and it's simply this, I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty, I am with you. You've almost got to admire Haggai for just giving the people this word in its simplicity. He doesn't try to add to it or elaborate on it or make it any more complicated or spiritual sounding uh, than it already is. Four words in English, just two in Hebrew. I am with you. The word with there in the Hebrew, uh, it doesn't mean just to be with somebody in principle or to be with somebody in purpose or agreement. It's about proximity. It literally means I am beside you. I am alongside you. I, I, I am near to you. And like Haggai, I don't want to add to this. There's nothing really to, to explain here, but I, I do want you to understand that these words are for you that the Lord does not want us simply to work for him, but he wants us to work with him. Every invitation into the purposes of God is always an invitation deeper into the presence of God. Sometimes what makes the difference between a good day and a hard day, between a yoke that is easy and a yoke that is heavy, is this, are we working for the Lord or are we working with the Lord? I am with you, declares the Lord. And this clear and simple message changes everything. It has a huge impact uh, as the people listen deeply to it and, and, and get its meaning. Uh, the first word that Haggai brought that we were looking at last time uh, is far more complicated, far more complex. There's a lot more nuance in it uh, going on. But that was given on the first day of the sixth month, which equates to the 29th of August, 520 BC. Uh, this word that comes, comes on the 24th day of the sixth month, which equates to the 21st of September. So we're talking about 23 days later, 
23 days, I'm sure, of thoughtful preparation. Uh, the site of the temple will have to be cleared of, uh, of rubbish and people's diaries are going to have to be cleared if they're going to be part of this, this new building project and plans and, and teams uh, and budgets have all, all got to be put in place for this 23 days uh, of preparation. But when this word lands, uh, it's like the fuse that, that, that lights, that ignites this fuel uh, that, that, that's been burning. I am with you. Suddenly what, what seemed like too big a task now seems too big to miss. And I want us to look in this session at the reaction. When people get this, that God does not just want us to work for him, but wants us to work with him. I want to see the reaction. What, what does that produce in us? And the first thing that we see really clearly is that it brings a new sense of awe. A new sense of awe. Take a look again at verse 13. The whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. I'm a massive Star Trek fan, I don't know about you, but I was thrilled when they started making the movies of the original series again recently. Uh, and in one of them, Star Trek Into Darkness, if you haven't seen it, uh, you need to, it's a great movie. Uh, in, in that, a young Captain Kirk has made an error uh, and has been hauled in front of the Admiral to answer for his actions. Uh, and he tries to shrug it off. He tries to say he, he, he could not have done anything other than, than what he did. Uh, and Admiral Pike, who who initially believes in Kirk and vouches for him is furious that he squandered this opportunity and at one point he's laying into him and he says listen you don't comply with the rules because you think they're, they're, they're for other people you don't take responsibility for anything and worst of all you don't respect the chair because you're not ready for it He's trying to get Kirk to respect the captain's chair, to, to realise the responsibility that he's been given and to see it not as a given, but as a gift. You don't respect the chair. And there's something that has happened in the hearts and minds of the people of Israel. They've lost their respect for who God is. They try to shirk their, their responsibility uh, to him. They take his presence really uh, as a bit of a given and, and not a gift. And then as this word lands, as they begin to listen to Haggai again and turn their hearts back towards God, there is something that happens that Haggai describes as a, the people fearing the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord has, has got nothing to do, uh, in one sense, uh, of being scared of him. Uh, the Lord does not want us to be terrified of him. But there's a reality here uh, that if you don't respect the Lord, uh, you, you've missed who he is. You know, in, in every sense, he is other than us in holiness, in scale, in power, in wisdom, in brilliance. Uh, you know, God wants us to have a, a relationship with him where, where we grow uh, in, in, in understanding him, in being comfortable in his presence. But he never wants us to be complacent. And as this word lands, there's a, such a sense uh, of awe that comes. It was the brilliant Albert Einstein who once gave us these words. He who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead. His eyes are closed.
I wonder when the last time was that you and I just stood and paused, wrapped in wonder, wrapped in, in awe. We often sing the words, don't we? I stand in awe of you, or I'm lost in wonder. But when was the last time it was true? And I wonder if, if these words tonight might be a bit of an awe catalyst in your heart and, and, and in mine. I am with you. I am the great I am, the name that, that, that God reveals to Moses. I, I, I am Moses. I, I exist. I'm, I'm pure existence. Nothing exists apart from me, outside of me. Everything exists because of me. I, I am existence. And this God, the creator God, the God who was before everything was and who will be after everything is, I am with you near you, beside you, close to you. Allow that to move you to awe afresh right now in your relationship with God. So there's awe. And secondly, there's a sense of awakening. Have a look with me again at verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Yeshua, son of Jehozak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. One of the things that this word does is to stir an awakening. When I was a teenager, one of the things I did a lot was to sleepwalk. Uh, my parents were always finding me doing odd things in, in odd places. Uh, when I got married, uh, I was still doing it. It seems to happen, uh, or used to back then, at times of, of change and transition. Uh, Amy found me one night holding something like a lightsaber, and she woke up freezing because I had the duvet uh, wrapped around me. It's amazing what we can do in our sleep. And actually, it, it's scary how much we can do in our sleep. The people of Israel had allowed themselves to sleepwalk back into the land. They sleptwalked back into being called Israelites again, in, in living in the nation again. But they were, they were sleepwalking. They, they, they were not really awake. And the sign that the temple was still in ruins and nobody cared about it, nobody was, uh, was standing up for it, was a sure and clear sign that they were sleepwalking their relationship with God. It's quite scary, isn't it, how much we can sleepwalk through our lives. We can sleepwalk through our marriages if we're not careful. Just, just drift. We can sleepwalk through parenting. And just not even notice the kids growing up, not, not, not really in, invest in them. We could sleepwalk through our jobs and just get through nine to five, Monday to Friday, week in, week out, not do it with our whole heart and not really invest in it. And we can sleepwalk in our relationship with God. And Jesus calls us to, to follow him, which means that every day there's an opportunity to Find, seek his presence, to, uh, to seek his will, to, to follow the way of the king, the way of the kingdom. And yet the reality is by, by the time we pray at the end of every day, if that's what we're doing before we fall asleep, uh, we've forgotten that that was the call, that that was the opportunity, uh, that that was the invitation. It's so easy to sleepwalk following Jesus. 
There's a church in, in Sardis that Jesus writes to in the book of Revelation. And to them he says this, Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. He tells them to remember what they received and heard and to hold on to it, to hold on to his word and, and to repent. And if they won't, if they won't repent, then he will come like a thief in the night. And if they're found sleeping, he'll remove the lampstand or the church from its place. I wonder right now if there is any sense in which the church is sleepwalking through this season. If you and I are sleepwalking in our relationship with God, well, allow these words to stir us. The, the word in the Hebrew literally means to shake or awaken something. That's what God is doing through this prophetic word. He's awakening people's hearts. And I wonder if this word needs to awaken us right now as we're sleepwalking, just to suddenly realize God is, is here. God is near. God is close. Just this, nothing more. I am with you. Wake up and see me. Wake, wake up and speak to me. Uh, wake up and, and follow me. And then thirdly and finally, there's the awe. There's the awakening. And there's a new sense of an awareness. And it's an awareness, really, of, of, of two things. Uh, there's a really interesting thing that shifts in the language that Haggai is using in the opening chapter. Uh, the first way he describes the people uh, is this phrase, these people. He doesn't call them my people. He doesn't call, doesn't call them the Lord's people or, or your people. He just calls them these people. Uh, they don't really have an identity. They don't really have a, pu a purpose. But then as they start to respond, as they start to obey, as they start to pull into action uh, what God is telling them to do, uh, he starts to call them the remnant of the people. The remnant of the people. Now the word remnant uh, is an old prophetic word. Long before they ever went into exile, the prophets, especially people like Isaiah, prophesied that it would happen, even prophesied the name of the king uh, who would allow them back into the land Cyrus. This was long before anyone called Cyrus was king of anything called Persia. Uh, this was all prophesied, but the word remnant was part of the hope that God would not allow them to be totally destroyed, but there would be people who would return uh, and would act as a, as a reseeding uh, in the land, a remnant of the people. Uh, they moved from these people, lacking identity and purpose, to the remnant of, of the people. Uh, and the people come to see that that, that was them, that was, that was prophesied. There's a new awareness of that. Uh, another thing that happens in the language already being used uh, is that the first time uh, Haggai mentions God in his prophecy and, and speaks for God, he simply calls him the Lord Almighty. That's our tran English translation. Uh, a, a more accurate Hebrew translation might be the Lord of hosts. And it's an emphasis on the armies of heaven, uh, uh, the, the God of the angel armies, the God of the hosts uh, of, of heaven. But again, as they begin to obey, uh, as they begin to listen, as their hearts are beginning to grow in, in awe uh, and to be awakened, uh, he starts to describe it this way, that they obey the Lord their God. Can you see why that's different? And then uh, at the end of this chapter, the Lord Almighty 
there God there's a new awareness now not just of the presence of God uh, but that brings with it an invitation into their relationship with God as God is is drawing near they're drawing near to God now it's not just the Lord Almighty it's the Lord Almighty their God it's a, it, it, it's a small difference in language but it's a massive difference in understanding I don't know if you've ever sat and thought about these words from Psalm 63, verse 1. O oh God, you are my God. My God. The difference between calling him O oh God and my God might seem small, but there is a world of difference between the two. I wonder what you call God as you seek to serve him, as you seek to follow him uh, in, in your life, because that'll be an indicator of whether we're working with him or for him. Uh, are you working for God or are you working for my God? Are we building for God or are we building for the Lord our God? It, it, it's massive. I wonder if for some of us, our journey in God has become exhausting and difficult whether there are places where our hearts have become really hard and, and jaded towards the work of God. Uh, and if there's been a sense in which we started working with him and then eventually we just took on more and more and more and, and we're able to do a lot of what we call ministry, what we call church, of what we call mission on our own. Whether we've, we've reached the stage where our, our spiritual journey is sort of plateaued because we, we don't depend on him. We, we don't need him in the way that we used to. Well, God does not just want us to work for him, but he's inviting us right now to work with him. And whether some of us just need to hear this as a word for us, as a word to us, I am with you let there be a new awareness in your life uh, in in your ministry in, in your calling uh, in your pursuit your following of jesus a new awareness that you do not have to do this on your own that you cannot actually you cannot do this on your own but knowing that he is with you changes everything or awakening awareness he is with you. Father, would you forgive us if we have gone too far on our own? If rather than keeping in step with you, we've lagged behind or we've tried to surge ahead and we find ourselves at the moment depleted of energy, devoid of joy, lacking in passion. We pray, Father, that you'd help each one of us to know that you are with us right where we are, right who we are, right how we are, uh, that we can know your presence in our lives. Would you fill us again, I pray, with awe. Would you awaken us again to wonder? And would you help us to be aware of your presence all around about us? And help us, Father, we pray, not just to work for you, 
but to learn what it is to work with you in the purposes and plans of your heart for the sake of your mission for the sake of your church for the sake of our relationship with you and for the sake of your glory in Jesus name we pray Amen